Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Invarious and Peckapalooza. I am Peckapalooza, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin, Invarious. Say hello. And as I say, good day. Good day, Peckapalooza and all those that listen in. Uh, Invarious was just telling me he just got home from a little road trip. I did. I did. I literally just got home uh, from a wedding you know, hey, weddings are fun. This was this wedding was fun too, but um, we we stayed in a tiny house, and so I, you know, uh, as you know, and listeners may or may not know, I'm pretty I'm pretty tall guy, broad, six four, just you know, and I think I think that this was the equivalent of me driving a Mini Cooper. You know, I just, it was, it was kind of, it was very small. Now it was clean and the temperature was just right on the inside. But it, I mean, for me to walk into it was like, uh oh. And then on top of that, I actually stayed in there with my sister. So we, you know, so, you know, that was, that, that was interesting. She was accommodating. Um, would and, you, uh, when I, would ahead. you compare it to uh, Gandalf visiting? Bilbo in Hobbiton. Yes. Yes. Except imagine that it wasn't like, I mean, you know, the Hobbit whole houses, I mean, they're pretty expansive wide. Oh, sure. Right. But it was just very narrow. And so, um, so then, you know, the thought is that, well, just stay outside like a cruise ship, you know, you, you stay outside. Um, but uh, no, no, that, um, that we couldn't do it because there were it was hot and there were mosquitoes. You would be onslaught. <laughs> so you were you're stuck in. Do we go outside? No, it's not worth it. You know, and <laughs> I don't want West Nile. Uh, Thanks. No. Yeah, yeah. So no, but we had a good time. Um, so the funny thing was is you go in and it's got like this bunk on the bottom, and then it's got the the loft where you can go up. And the loft was where I was going to say because my sister had sprained her ankle, so she couldn't she couldn't really climb up there. She offered, but you know. And right. so I go up there and I and I lay down because I just want to try it out. First of all, it's about fifty degrees higher, hotter up there. Of course, you know, so heat rises. Heat does rise. Thanks, science. And also, the, the ceiling when you get up there and you lay down is about like like a foot from your face. Like it's just <laughs> like <laughs> it's just Excellent. right there in front of you. So like. It was good because it's the closest I've come to what it's like to be in a coffin. You know, I definitely realize I don't want to be buried alive. Um, didn't think you I did just before, now figured but, that out. Well, I, you know, more it was it was postulating, theorizing that that's. But now that you've experienced I, it, I know. Yeah, no, it's solid. Yeah, that <laughs> put the nail in the coffin, if you will. Boom! Thank you. All Man, right, they just keep coming. But the wedding itself was. A fun time oh yeah mission accomplished you know so i mean you he go said to a the wedding, thing she said the thing the minister said. said the thing so this was the cool thing about this wedding i i end up trying to be trendy right so i'm wearing um this classically trained gaming shirt that i've got it's got like a nintendo controller on it and all that and then on top of it i'm wearing this fancy blue blazer jacket and i've got my Panama Jack hat on. That's that's my that's my go to look for. It. And so I was like, oh, I'm probably gonna get in trouble because I'm wearing this like gaming shirt at a wedding. Everybody's all dressed up nice. 
So the minister person, just knowing the couple, decides to get up there and talk about the five ways, because gaming apparently is very important to this couple. I didn't even know that. And they kind of met and do a lot of Apex Apex uh, games and stuff like that. And um, they, they get up there and say, we're going to talk about the five ways that gaming relates to having a successful marriage. And I was like, boom! I Stand dressed up and just rip off your blazer. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> all right. So that's my story for my week. I hope you had a good weekend too. I did. I actually, uh, I, I went to the the movies this weekend and saw the new uh, version of Firestarter, <gasps> oh! based on the classic Stephen King novel. Originally, you know, yeah. uh, starring Drew Barrymore back Drew in the eighties. Um, How did Efron do as a dad? As, so. Acting, I thought he did a great job. The little girl playing Charlie, I thought also did a great job. The special effects were fantastic. The score was written by John Carpenter. And so, you know, that's going to be creepy and like nostalgic. The rest of the movie, though, the dialogue, the story, not so like it didn't really do it for me. I feel like there was so much that, um, that got left out and, and this, but this is coming from somebody who a has seen the original Firestarter and has read the book. And so it's like, I, I had expectations going into it, but I was talking to a friend of mine who has never seen the original and has never read the book. And so she had no expectations going into it. And she thought it was fantastic. Oh, so there you go. So So maybe that's, that's, so don't be pretend, don't be pretentious and you'll enjoy it. Yeah, sure. I feel like that's that's the thing with with remakes is like you know it's somebody who who way. enjoys the original right. is not necessarily right. gonna you know appreciate what they're doing with the new one. I so, think so too because you need like a clean slate to appreciate right. it that way. Again, you know? there were things that I thoroughly enjoyed about the movie and uh, and you know the way the special effects have come a long way in the right. past forty years. Um, yeah. You know, it makes a lot of sense that that this would be. Uh, something they would try to tackle but uh but for me the story was lacking um but uh i still have drew barrymore crying in my head you know when she when her mom's getting burned you know in the flashbacks in the scene that that is that that's pretty sad of course her crying in et was hard too so you know just that child could cry very more as a a child actress was just you know heavens i know (laughs) pull my heart out all right. Anyway, so uh, all right. Well, let's this, get into it. This week, this week we are continuing our Back to the Future discussion, uh, and unfortunately, we're not continuing with the greatest movie of all time. We're just moving on to the sequels to the greatest movie of all time, right? Because <laughs> um, because why not cover the entire trilogy? Um, you should. It's only because right. I mean it's it's worth watching, right? I mean they're they're they're. I, I like it more than you do. You do you like I the think. sequels more than I do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, saying I'm, I'm not saying I don't like the sequels. I, right, but but you're but you put the first one on. I mean, that's on the, the first one is the first one is in my yeah. top 100 of all time. Yeah, yeah. And the first one is in my top one of all time. Second right. and third <laughs> probably rank somewhere in my top 300 of all time. There you, there you go. Yeah, and right. I, I think you probably catalog catalog. You know the uh, your top 300, 500, 1,000. Oh, I absolutely do. There's a there's a website <laughs> called Flickchart. It, those of you listening, Flickchart is not a sponsor, but Flickchart.com. If you go there, you can rank your movies, like the movies you've seen, 
and and like come that. up with a list of of what is like your ranking of of movies. I love that, and then so, I'll just carry it with me always. Yeah. So what it does you know? is like like <laughs> it takes a long time to get to a definitive list for yourself, right. but like it gives you the choice between movies. Say, uh, it gives you Superman the movie and Batman Returns. All right. So you have to pick okay. which movie you like better. Yeah, that's good. And so, That's and some great. of them, some of them make sense to to like compare them. Like, like those are two superhero movies. It's like, oh, do I like Superman better? Do I like Batman better? I'm gonna go with Superman because that's just how I go. Yeah. But sometimes it'll throw in like the craziest mixture, like uh, Sleepless in Seattle versus Halloween Two. Yeah, <laughs> uh, right. Those movies right. have nothing to do with each other. But <laughs> right. uh, which one would I rather right. watch right now? Yeah, so yeah. it's that kind of thing. So it's it's a it's a really great website. It's a really I mean, great we, time we, waster. We both so. land on Sleepless in Seattle, right? Over oh yeah. Halloween too. Yeah. If okay. it was Halloween just, one, it'd be different. That's true. <laughs> I have to admit, <laughs> some people are like, "What?" You know. Um, so yeah. like it, like I said, it's it, it's a big time waster. I remember when I first discovered it. It's one of those things where it's like you're clicking you're clicking you're clicking and all of a sudden it's three hours later what happened to my afternoon so you got to be yeah, careful with yeah. it you have to be responsible but it's a really neat tool to try and figure out what your rankings are for your movies yeah you know that's that's really cool i have to check that out well i think we determined last week and you said you kind of go back and forth a little bit on them but uh we we both agree that the first one is the best but as far as the second third uh, you know, I, I kind of have more of an affinity for the second one. And you had said, you know, at present, the third one. Um, right. And then having watched both of them this weekend again, uh, I'm still saying the third one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm still with the second one. I remember just kind of speaking of the second one, that was at a time period. So what was that? That was 90 or 89 or something like that. Two came out in 89. Uh, three came out in 90. Right. So at that point, I'm, you know, I'm eight years old when the second one comes out. And uh, I do remember, you know, seeing that one. And with all of the, there was the neon stuff going on. I don't know if it was Hardee's or, or one of those, you know, because this was around the time like the Days of Thunder started doing all their stuff with Hardee's and all that. And it was such a big deal to get the fast food, food chains to, to jump on all that stuff like never oh, yeah. before. You get your collector's and, cups and... Yeah, was uh, it a like, Pizza Hut or somebody? Somebody did back to it was Pizza Hut that did it because remember in the second one they have the uh, hydrator that takes the little. Oh, pizza that's right, yeah. And they were a sponsor, and they had like the glasses, and they had all of that futuristic yeah. stuff. Oh, I loved it. That is I that is a funny it. scene. Lorraine walks in with his tiny little pizza pouch. Oh, who's gonna eat all that? <laughs> Just shove it in my mouth. I'll eat it. <laughs> that's yeah. so good. All right, so how do you want to roll with this? You want to you want to tell your little bit about the movie, about the second one, we'll kind of roll through them. All right, so Back to the Future 2. Um, so we mentioned last week that originally there was no plan for a sequel. Um, right. you know, when when it was when Back to the Future was first released in the theater, um, you know, they get into the DeLorean, they start hovering off the ground, they go, they turn around, they fly off and that explodes onto the screen that's it that's the end of the movie that's the end of the franchise right but then universal comes back and says hey that made a truckload of money why aren't we doing a sequel and so Let's do some more so they convince the bobs robert zemeckis who directed and co-wrote with bob gale uh to come back with their idea for 
uh, a sequel. And what they wrote turned into something that was way too long to be one movie. So they wound up saying, all right, we'll do it, but we've got to do two movies. And so the studio obviously agreed to it. And so then when Back to the Future was released on home video, that's when they added at the end of the movie when the DeLorean flies at the screen to be continued. To be continued. Yeah. Now that's that's something I wish they had kept on there because now when you watch the DVDs or the the Blu-ray or even on streaming, right? Um, it's not on there. They've restored it to the theatrical theatrical version uh, cut. And so so that to be continued isn't on there. But yeah, I know the future two, it's still at the end of at the end of two, it still says to to be be concluded. concluded. And then at the end of three, it says the end. So yeah. if you're going to keep those in there, why yeah, not? Then you should keep to be the continued. other one too. No, that's true. Just for continuity's sake. Yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, that's just, you know, me being nitpicky about it. Um, yeah, how dare you? Hey, let's also talk about <laughs> how the, um, what, I've, what I'm coming to know as the Illuminati of movie making. Um, we had Steven Spielberg, uh, Frank Marshall, and Kathleen Kennedy as the executive producers. Yeah. And obviously... They govern everything in this oh, world. Sure. If you Present. want a movie made, one of those three is going to greenlight it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially seriously. especially in the eighties and nineties. That's those are the people right. you and, go to. And so you know, for if you don't know, obviously, if you don't know who Steven Spielberg is, um, why? Where have you been um, living? Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back from <laughs> Mars. Yeah, yeah seriously. Uh, sorry about the coma. I'm glad you woke up. <laughs> you know, but uh, Frank and Penny Marshall. Um, you know, have have done a lot of movies, um, and and they are well known. Um, and well, uh, of course, Frank Marshall has nothing to do with Penny Marshall. Okay, well, of Gary Marshall, Gary Marshall, Gary was Penny Marshall. Marshall's uh, brother. Gary Marshall. That's right. That's something. Yeah. And and were they in Delirious, or or were they in Stay Tuned, or no? Uh, it yeah. was <laughs> no, no, no. There was one movie they were in together. It was Hocus Pocus. Was it? Wasn't it Hocus Pocus that they were in together? And they I don't were. Know. And I'm he, one of those kids. Just, like Hocus Pocus came out at a time where like I was too old to appreciate it, and so like I never really like I, I know like so many people in in this generation are like Hocus Pocus is the greatest Halloween movie of all time. Like uh, I watched it once and uh, didn't really do much for me. <laughs> Notice I'm quite quickly you know, deflecting from the fact that I mixed up Gary Marshall and Frank Marshall. Nice try there. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. for the record, Penny Marshall was on Laverne and Shirley, went on to direct That's Big, right. A League of Their Own. She was she was a great director. Um, All right. So Gary Marshall and Penny Marshall were in Hocus Pocus, and then they were also in the movie Delirious with John Candy. They no. were, yes, they were. They were the ones who were his boss. No. His boss, the writers. Gary Orbach was the, the boss the writer on that the boss the boss that look it up the- look it up if you don't think i'm right all right you look Man, that up we'll continue with is, uh back to the future too seriously this is the hard thing about doing these things with you because i'm telling you i'm a walking imdb right. no one is more proud of you than you challenge me <laughs> all right so uh so he's gonna look that up let's continue with this discussion about back to the future too the first thing you'll notice with back to the future too is um, you know, the movie starts and it is a complete retelling of the end of Back to the Future One. Um, but there's something very different when that scene plays out. Jennifer Parker is no longer played by Claudia Wells. Yeah. She's played by 
the incomparable Elizabeth Shue. Now, I love Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. If I had been in high school with Elizabeth Shue in the 80s, I absolutely would have fallen in love with her, just like every other guy she went to school with. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it's it's hard. It's hard to. Um, you know, even though she plays Jennifer in two and three, whenever I think of Jennifer, I think of Claudia Wells, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, Elizabeth Shue, I think, did a, a good job in Back to the Future 2. And, I, you know, I think she filled in that part, you know, well. But, um, yeah, Claudia Wells, I mean, she's definitely the one, you know, the one you're introduced to. She's the heartthrob for, for, uh, for Marty. and when she writes down her number, you know, which I didn't understand that part because it seems like their relationship would be or, or writes that note for him or something like that. Well, the, the number was uh, for her grandmother's house because she was oh, going to be see. at her grandma's. I see. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, um, but you know, I mean, I think, I think she's kind of the one, you know, but Elizabeth, she did a good job, especially, no, she did fine. You, you know, especially when you get to the part about her seeing her older self and just how that played out. This movie, especially, uh, and, and the third, and you know, the third one is. I mean, you really think about the second and the third one as a part one, part two, really, because they go seamlessly into one another. Um, but really, I mean, part two started doing that that thing where they had the line in the middle of the screen, some object or whatever, and then you had two care the actor doing two different scenes opposite one another, right? And um, because you got them playing multiple parts. You're playing multiple parts, but you also have like <laughs> Biff and old Biff in the car, uh, you know, and, and you have the divider in the window there, you know, between them. Or you have, uh, I think, uh, the only time that they didn't have a divider between them would be when Jennifer and Jennifer saw each other because the door was just there, right? I think so. And, yeah. and that's, something, that's something that we learn about Robert Zemeckis in particular um, as his career has gone on, like it seems like every time he makes a movie, he's he is wanting to do something that hasn't really been done before or find a new way of doing things. Um, and so, like, you know, before he did the Back to the Future sequels, of course, he did Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was hugely ambitious with mixing oh, yeah. animation and live action. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you've got the the split screen with with Back to the Future two and three, where you've got uh, Michael J. Fox uh, playing multiple characters. You've got uh, uh, Thomas F. Wilson playing multiple characters, and you know, well, or really playing the same character twice, just at different ages, um, and acting yeah. against himself. Um, but it's it's really amazing the, the way they're able to do that. Um, now, did you know that uh, that had you know Zemeckis and Bob Gale have both come out to say um, if they had known they were going to do a sequel, they never would have put Jennifer in the DeLorean. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, what that. do we do with her now? Uh, you know, because yeah. Autumn, like right, right off the bat, like she's asking too many questions, and so what does Doc do? He just puts her to sleep. Let's get her out of here as soon as we can. We don't need her. So. Um, now, one thing I do like about Back to the Future 2 is that it is clearly divided into a three-act structure. You've got Act 1 is the future, Act 2 is the alternate yep. 1985, and then Act 3 is back in 1955. Um, right. And it's, it's, it's really well done. And like, 
you know, you, you love the, the things where it's like they come in and they say, you know what, we did this movie already. Let's do it again, but do it different. <laughs> and so like you've got <laughs> so many callbacks to Back to the Future with like the uh, the hoverboard scene yep. uh, that complete like completely well, yeah. the skate. And even Biff, scene. old Biff is just like something very familiar about yeah. this. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and and little lines like that are are, you know, it's it's definitely fan service, but uh, <laughs> at the same time it's hilarious, you know. Uh, yeah. Just having those little observations. And um, do you do you remember as a kid? when back to the future two came out and, and hearing like the, the news reports and the, the fake <laughs> interviews with Zemeckis yeah, yeah, yeah. telling people, like giving us hope that hoverboards exist, but that yeah. like mother's groups out there, like keeping them off the market because they're dangerous. <laughs> Man, Seriously. I know. I'm, I know. I'm doing I, that I to bought, us. <laughs> I know. I totally bought into that. As a side note, I will concede you are correct about Orbach and all that. You are correct. That's my bad on Delirious. Delirious, it was Jerry Orbach and Renee Taylor that were the Sherwoods and Delirious who were. Thank and you. so my, my hat's off to you. But a little redeeming, though uncredited, uh, Gary and Penny Marshall were in Hocus Pocus. And they hosted the Sanderson sisters at their house. Well, there you go. So. But definitely not related to Frank Marshall, which was the start of this conversation, which <laughs> glad we could have that little tangent. There you okay. go. Back to Back to Future 2. Um, so uh, also another thing, too, Crispin Glover did not make it into this second movie. Um, Crispin and, Glover uh, it, did not uh, come back. He was wasn't he was because wanting... of some, some noble, you know, reason. Yeah, it wasn't <laughs> for the same reason that uh, Claudia Wells dropped out. Um, of course we mentioned that last week that she she dropped out to take care of her mother who had been diagnosed with cancer uh crispin glover uh i believe was it that he wanted more money yeah um and and thought that he had you know had earned uh more substantial uh payday after you know his his performance in the first back to the future and they weren't willing to pay it and so uh they recast George uh, Jeffrey Wiseman, I believe, is who who wound up playing George in two and three. Um, yeah, it was. And and they he wore they a like, false chin, nose, and cheekbones. Yeah, they put <laughs> prosthetics his on his to face like to make him look like uh, Crispin Glover, and that led to an enormous lawsuit. Yeah. Um, a, and and kind of set a precedent in Hollywood moving forward about using someone's image on screen um, yeah. without their permission. And so, I mean, on the one did hand, he, good for did Crispin he Glover, get anything for that? I mean, did he, I can't remember. I think he, they settled out of court. Probably. Right. Um, but again, it, it set a huge precedent in, in Hollywood about, about the whole use of, of someone's image on screen. You know, you have to have permission to do that. And so, and so yeah. using his, per, like using, his image and and trying to change the actor who they've recast to make him look like Crispin Glover so that what are you trying to get away with here um but uh you know that (laughs) enraged Crispin Glover um who you know he's kind of a weird bird anyway I mean I don't have you seen interviews 
I, oh, nothing yeah. wrong with that. I mean, he's, he's well. It, the the issue is, is when I saw Willard, <laughs> I, I I was like, he's not acting. No, no. <laughs> you know, that's just him. <laughs> you know, Willard was how he is. The rest. Well, I think um, you know. I mean, to be fair, I thought that he did good in the role that he was in in Back to the Future. I, I liked his role. I liked it the way he played it off. You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, you're my you're my density. I mean, my destiny. You know, yeah. I mean, he was just he's funny, and and I thought his his uh, you know just it was good, but it wasn't like it was like oh my gosh, this is the guy. You know, that you would be so or thinking that you would you know. Right, weren't getting the next one. I, yeah. I just can't. I just can't believe that. It's, he's it's crazy. You know, as important as George McFly is to the story of Back to the Future, he's not the main character. He's not. No, he and is he a wouldn't have been actor. the main character coming through to the sequels. Now, I I feel like they would have treated the sequels differently if George had been played by Crispin Glover moving forward. Um, I, I and I do I do wonder what what those movies would have looked like because i feel like without george you had you had a different storyline and you had to make marty the guy who has a character arc between two and three right and so that's where we suddenly get the uh nobody calls me chicken thing yeah and i remember i remember watching like as even as a kid watching back to the future too i'm like where does this come from all of a sudden? It really did come out. Now, I will I will say, and you and I talked about this last week, that you know, Zemeckis and, and Gail were really good at planting seeds and and laying things out. And and they do this very well throughout the the whole movies for two and leading into three. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking and, and the chicken thing, which comes to full resolution, you know, at three, right? You know, and and that is played way early, the introduction of needles. And uh, and just played by Flea, isn't that what yeah. his name was? Of the Flea. Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> yeah, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Right. And so his introduction there, and it just that happens and is forgotten, like it's gone from you because you're now you're back in you know 1955 and you're fixing everything again, and then you're going to 1885, and then it's it, and then you come back to it. Yeah. Um, I like the the fact that they were trying to put you know, this pride thing that you've got to put on hold. Um, the whole chicken thing, though, it was a little, it was a little cheesy, right? Yeah. I mean, there could have been something else, you know, I mean, but maybe, maybe I not, mean, you know. The, the, and, and part of it that gets me too is like, you know, the score, which, okay, we didn't even talk about Alan Silvestri's score last week. It's, it's phenomenal in all phenomenal. three of these movies. But, yeah. but when, when you get to the scene, any of these scenes where uh, somebody calls Marty a chicken, Somebody's like, boom, <laughs> dramatic music. Yeah, boom. My favorite, what, so one of my favorite scenes um, in Back to Future 2 was when Biff finally at the end, you know, catches up to him, right? And he's, and, he, and, and Marty's looking through the window of the door at his self and Lorraine and, 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 and they're all, he's, he's ready for it to be done. And then Biff walks face up to him and then, and then calls him out on it. And he calls him chicken, and Marty's like, nobody calls me. And the yeah. door opens right on his face, and he goes right down. That's a hilarious scene. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's uh, that's what you get. Also, for, the car uh, scene. Hubris. The car scene, it's like they took 
what we got to see at the beginning of the first one and with the hoverboard, you know, in the second one. And the car scene in the tunnel was epic, you yeah. know, just on the hoverboard. That whole thing was just awesome. That tunnel, nowhere near as long as it looks in the movie. <laughs> like it's like they expanded it by five times. It's, it's I've been crazy. through the tunnel. <laughs> um and so talking a little bit about like that that whole uh dropping hints and planting seeds from the beginning to the end. Uh in that sense, as far as these character arcs go, especially when you look at Marty and Doc, um you really have to treat two and three as if they are one. You, movie. Yeah. You do. Um, yeah. You know, and, and it makes sense because they did they, you know, when they set out to write the sequel, uh, it was too long to be one movie and so they had to split it up but so many of so many of those things that are are introduced in two uh don't pay off until the end of three yeah little little hint about mad dog you know just a random again if you're watching two and you heard the mad dog thing you wouldn't even think about it you just until you get to the end of two which after it says to be concluded then it rolls into an extremely long summary a of trailer what you're about for, to yeah, get a trailer but for it's, three. A, it's a long trailer of, of information you know what i mean that you get uh which i thought I, I i love that how enticing to get you to the next one um oh my gosh i remember seeing that walking out of the theater and i don't know how many times i said i cannot wait till three comes out i cannot wait i know right and my dad i remember um, my dad getting so annoyed with me he said if you say it one more time you're not going to see three when it comes out that <laughs> shut me right up <laughs> Uh, oh, but yeah, you're right. Like that, like, you know, you get that little like news clip of, of mad dog Tannen being an ancestor of, of Biff. Right. And it's like that. Why do we care about that? Right. Because we have no idea that three is going to take place in the old West. And, yeah. and we have no idea that it's going to be involve a gunslinger named mad dog Tannen. And yeah. so like, yeah. here's this again, a seed planted. And another yeah. one that happens is when Marty confronts Biff about the um, the uh, the almanac, the sports almanac. Yeah, he's in a hot tub with two girls watching uh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, he's watching Clint Eastwood, right? Yeah, and and he does the bulletproof vest thing. Yeah, totally, totally drops that. It's it's like I, what I appreciate about it in in a subtle way. It prepare it helps it helps you as a kid or even an adult. To, to to anticipate where you're going or, or to be able to feel grounded enough to where you're going. Uh, and it doesn't feel like anything's out of the blue for you. Um, uh, one thing that uh, I noticed when checking out Biff from the new, the alternate 1985, is his voice is, I mean, I, I think about Kingpin played by Vincent Dofferno or Dofferno, D'Onofrio. Um, and both in um, in uh, in uh, Daredevil, and, and then he's and, and he's had that spot in Hawkeye. His voice in that, I'm now listening to Biff, and I'm like, that's him. He's Biff, you know, Kingpin's Biff, because he's got that voice. That's like this, yes, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was just listening to it today, going, wow, that's so similar. What's <laughs> funny about Biff is. Um, you know, he's, he's got almost like a split personality. Um, and you see it at the, uh, at the end of three, when Marty comes back, uh, you know, and he's, he's on foot, he comes back to his truck and, and, uh, 
Biff doesn't realize it's Marty. He goes, watch it, butthead. And and that's that's the real Biff. You know that's, that's the, the real Biff. Biff. Yeah, but then yeah, he realizes yeah. he's, he's, talking, he's talking to Marty. He's like, oh, hey, Marty. I didn't realize that was you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just, just put yeah. a second coat on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I think, honestly, um, so who, what was the actor's name that played Biff? Thomas F. Wilson. Thomas F. Wilson. I mean, really, although he's the, the, the bully, you know, the villain and all these, what a great job you yeah. know I oh, mean, fantastic be, to be all these characters and and sometimes just completely unrecognizable not just from a makeup standpoint but just uh, multiple acting styles i mean i think it, he played griff too right yeah he played so, Biff, griff and buford and and so when i saw griff in two which is you know the ancestor grandson i suppose of of biff I mean, wow, his his whole style, his demeanor was completely different, you yeah. know, and his, you know, well, aren't you the, or whatever, whatever he says. Yeah, he's it, he's it's, just like it's a completely different character. And I, I mean, obviously, we're related impressive. to Biff. Right. But it's like, yeah, he he oh, my gosh, he, he did such a great job. And I don't think that uh, he gets enough credit for the work he put into playing yeah. these roles in all three of these movies. That's, I mean, that's and, exactly. And again, not just the different characters, but playing Biff at an old age and then Biff yeah. at a teenager and, and then playing against himself. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you know, he does such a great job and, and like, it's, it's, it's a bummer to think that, you know, so many of these other actors from these movies went on to do so many, you know, recognizable things. But I mean, how many movies, how many TV shows do you recognize Thomas F. Wilson showing up in? Like he, he does a guest spot right. here and there. I know he did a, a run on legends of tomorrow on the CW for a while, but um, ultimately I think the hard like part too happened. And you get typecast. I mean, when you do something so great like that, I mean, one of the hard things about, um, you know, some movies you just you get camped out on on who they are as a persona, yeah. and I, I'll bet that I bet his typecasting just really really messed with his ability to get stuff. Um, but you know, I mean, now like like we were talking about, you've got starting out they go to the future, and that was kind of that was cool. You know, that whole scene wrapped up kind of quick with it, and then they they get out of dodge and they go back to uh, 1985 which is the alternate 1985 that is now you know uh, biff's world you know apparently he commands the world from hill valley sure. you know um as and one the whole does. town <laughs> yes yeah, one, one does uh and then the hotel is there and and uh it's got the you know well they the basically biff turned tower. biff into donald trump donald trump right right i mean he's got and, the hair uh, <laughs> he's got the the casino the tower it's right. all there we get to see Biff's lackeys again. Billy Zane, you know, was in that. And uh, the the easy way. On we the can head, do this know. the easy way or the hard way. And just knock him out. <laughs> the, the easy, easy way. way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then you've got Lorraine, you know, that comes out. And, and that's, you know, she's all out, you know. And uh, and, and that, that scene was kind of funny uh, between between them. But then you get this uh, understanding that, uh, you know, Marty's dad was killed. 
yeah. uh, in 1973, I think it was, think you so, know, yeah. or something like 12 years ago. So it was 1973 from 1985. And, um, and the, the three kids had already been born. Uh, but, uh, you know, at some point Biff kills him and, yeah. uh, and gets away with it. And one thing that I, I think I noticed from watching these and then even watching Marty go back, they really do make it, they double down on the endearing nature of the mom and dad connecting, you know, and the first one was had that, I mean, that was, that was cool. You know, it was good. It was like that scene, he gets his hand back. It's like, awesome. But they really put emphasis on his parents and their connection. And then his dad, I mean, I remember thinking to myself watching and realizing that his dad had died and was killed by Biff and was, and Marty was devastated, you know, as he's realizing this and, and goes to the, the gravesite. Yeah. And it kind of connects you at a more personal level with it, whereas it was much more lighthearted in the first one. You're now dealing with death and irreparable futures and a war zone and like serious stuff. And Doc Brown's committed. I mean, it's like it's much more serious now, you know? Well, and I wonder, too, you know, the, the question's always out there, like how how does it affect Marty's memories when when he changes something? So, like, obviously, his his past must have been different, you know, when he comes back to his new 1985 at the end of the first one. And his, yeah. he's got confident parents, confident, you know, George McFly, who has written right. his first novel, all that stuff. You know, so his life would have been somewhat different. And so would his memories have caught up to him by this point? Would he have had a closer relationship with his father? And and yeah. so that is why he's so devastated by his dad's, you know, I don't passing. know, because I've like I feel this. like in the first one, he has no respect for his father. I mean, no. that, and, it's, and it's he pretty clear, you know, because yeah. because his dad doesn't really deserve no. that kind of respect. <laughs> I mean, he's he's I don't want to say a loser, but he's a loser. I mean, you know, he, I don't. I don't want to say a dork or a geek because that's what we're identifying ourselves as. But uh, the laugh alone, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> you know, I think, I think though, uh, the memory aspect, I've wondered this as well. And I, I want to say no, because I think if you're the time traveler, then you're still keeping your own awareness. Otherwise, Marty would have been different as he approached the alternate 18 or ni- 1985. Uh, and you got to imagine what kind of kid that became, right? Because he's considered to be a loser. He's considered to be all these things. He's, he's shipped off to somewhere in Switzerland or somewhere like that or Australia. You know, he's just like gone. So I don't know that his memories change. I think they were just kind of pushing on to us a little bit more of a double down, um, you know, relationship. You know, it gets a little bit more weight for it, you know? I don't mean I don't mean the the memories from like the the Biff Tannen alternate eighty five. I mean the memories from his changed like where he would have grown up respecting his father and having his father all the way up till you know the present, um, and so having that closer relationship with George. Um, I don't know. It's just it's just speculation is really all I'm doing. But isn't um, it funny though how we get to like Avengers, you know, Endgame. And you have that scene where they're talking about time travel, and Paul Rudd's like, "Back to the Future's money because yeah. it's just like, you know, I, I thought that was a really funny scene. Well, uh, I mean, that's that's what you got to do. You've got to create your own rules for time travel if you're making your movie about tra- time travel. And, 
then yeah. you don't stick to your rules for time travel in your movie about time. I don't know. Uh, anyway, we can, so we there can get some to funny, someday. <laughs> there, there was some, yeah, that would take a while. Now, I will say, like, there were some parts that, even though they're really good at dropping hints, that I thought were a little bit of some goofs, like uh, in the future, in to, the, the very far future of 2015, um, <laughs> you know, which now, seven years later, I'm like, yeah, That's don't have those, future. don't don't have those hover things, don't have those things yet, nope. Uh, flying cars um, are a bad idea just putting that out there that that's never going to be a good idea for, for right now well so the scene i'm thinking about is of course you know marty's on the hoverboard goes over the water you know they can't float on water unless you've got power um but then they go flying past him go into the clock tower glass break it they're all in there griff's pitbull his hoverboard goes with him. He yeah, so how it. does that little girl get it? And so when you come back, now Marty's come back on the other side, and then this just right happens right then, and then the little girl's like, you can keep the hoverboard. I've got a pit bull. And I'm like, she kind of walked a far way around there pretty quick to get that and come back. I mean, you got this yeah. little kid. It what, can't be more than five like, minutes that passed to get him out of that water and then, you know, get his jacket dried. I mean, this is pretty pretty clever kid that can just sneak over there and grab evidence and then from a crime scene you know. <laughs> yeah i thought that was a bit of a goof right so but at least it allowed marty to have uh, his own hoverboard for the rest of the yeah. franchise i also appreciate seeing elijah wood in the yeah. game you yeah. know we got to see him up there you know he was the shoe you have the, to use your hands that's like a baby's <laughs> toy Yep, little Elijah Wood trying to figure out how to get a, a video game to work. Um, oh man! So so yeah, we've we've got all this great stuff happening in two, and it builds up, builds up, builds up, and you know, finally, um, Marty is able to successfully get the sports almanac away from Biff in 1955, right? Yep. And we get he to does. revisit everything that happened in the first movie. Uh, well, not everything, yes. but but everything for the the night of the dance. Um, yeah. We we redo Johnny B. Good, and we see it from a different perspective because uh, suddenly uh, Biff's uh, cronies are are gonna try to take down Marty before <laughs> uh, he, or when he finishes playing, and so that's gonna, gonna drop keep him the from sandbags. That's right. <laughs> so uh, so it, it it was it was a lot of fun. I think going back. And I'm I'm sure they had a blast re refilming a lot of that stuff, um, but let's get into how we get to three. Wait, I think um, he I think he took his wallet. Did he take his wallet? I think he took, I think he took his wallet. That's okay because he knows CPR. <laughs> What's CPR? <laughs> What's CPR? That scene is always funny to me when he's like, "I think that guy took his wallet." I think he took his wallet. <laughs> uh, one thing that I don't, you know, just going before we get right into the three with this. Um, You've got Biff, who at the end of the second of, of the first one, you know, he's knocked out, bully is overcome, and now going forward, you know, George McFly is the man on campus, and Biff will continue to fail and become his lackey, eventually auto-detailing his car. Here's the problem. When the second one happens, 
and Biff is knocked out. And then Marty sees him and he sees him and he has to knock him out again. Biff is still pretty aggressive, still kind of like, I don't care that I just got knocked out. I'm still tough Biff guy. You know what I mean? And so I thought to myself, huh, how does he how does he go from this to becoming auto t- detail guy? You know what I mean? You ever wonder about that? Just uh, I just wonder if he would be different around George now because, be because he George, knows that George is. can take him down. And, and so then he so he's still kind of a, a bully or kind of a jerk. He's not like beaten down by sure. an all because now. because obviously we see his personality does not change whatsoever. He's still right. but, yeah, but uh, you know, he's he's going to be different around George because he knows that George can uh, lay him out if he needs. to. Yeah, lay him out. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> he um, probably cringes every time. So so we get to the end of two, and uh, of course the uh famous hill valley thunderstorm is happening um and for some reason doc does not land the delorean i've never understood why that happens Dude, did it you get his something. line too he says about i'm gonna have to pull around to do the and get enough you know, speed to come around and come in for a soft landing and i should like, have i should have paid attention to thing. it like and 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 really watched like the the captions on it because I've never understood what he's saying there and why he that says makes sense. about he needs to he says he has to pull around the south to have enough room for a soft landing. And that I'm doesn't like, make any sense. When you landed earlier, you just came straight you just went down. down, straight down into so, the, the, the side lot. I know. Uh, I think they needed a reason to keep uh, him up, keep him in the air. That way he's and that was not a good reason. Lightning. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, um, so the DeLorean gets struck by lightning and it just vanishes. But it does those little symbols. Is that the infinity symbol when it does the no. backwards nines? What is that? What does that mean? Does it mean anything? It's just the the fire trail. Yeah, I thought I thought that symbol like, meant something. No, it doesn't. It's it's just uh it's just the fire trail from where like since it was in midair and and still like it wasn't going yeah. eighty eight miles an hour. It just, it just it probably kind of flipped. Right there. Like they, it probably flipped the car. And so yeah. like it that that was just the fire trail there in the sky. Yeah. Um, and so that yeah, there's I don't think there's anything, any hidden meaning to that. But uh yeah, Marty watches as and probably can only assume that the DeLorean was disintegrated. Uh, but then suddenly he receives a letter from 1885 um that Doc has written and left for him to to receive 70 years later um and so then he goes to the only doc that can help him now the 1955 doc yeah who of course passes out after seeing marty reappear after he's just been sent back to the future and he does the future boy thing again when he talks to him again he's yeah like, future boy i'm like come on didn't you i think you can trust him you know what i mean i mean you know he like loses it. Well, tell me this, future yeah. boy. If the me of the future is now in the past, how could you possibly know about it? You wrote me a letter. I thought uh, it was funny that scene at the end of two when he, when the guy from Western Union brings the letter. It's like, are you Marty McFly? I've got something for you, and you're like ready for it to be something serious. And yeah, goes, something sinister. Yeah, he's he's gonna reach. <laughs> he's gonna pull out a gun. Why? Why are you after Marty in 1955? Uh, I can't remember who that actor is, but I always thought he was funny in the stuff he did. He did a lot of funny things in the eighties. He was uh, he was in Billy Madison. Uh, he was hired by Shooter McCavin to to uh, distract. Yeah, 
that's right. No, Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Uh, he was yeah. he was hired by Shooter McGavin to distract Happy whenever he was <laughs> making a shot. Every time Jackass. Shot. That's exactly right. <laughs> um, oh man. So we get into uh, we see the trailer for uh, three, and we see that it's going to be a western, uh, which. I don't know to me it was kind of exciting it's it's definitely uh you, you've taken the the uh the trilogy into a completely different genre now um i mean yes the music it's still score sci-fi. was awesome as well yeah because that introduced a new music score for that was definitely a country version and all the music i like the the stuff they play at the band you know when they go to that little jamboree well thing. it's so great uh, that they were able to get zz top to go back in time and and <laughs> and play uh, <laughs> at the town no. festival <laughs> he had a time machine too so yeah no that was that was really good but it was very enticing i think you know of course you've got to deal with the beginning at three where you've got to actually get you know the car and you've got to be able to get back and that dragged a little bit but you know i mean once you get back there you know then you're right in it with indians and you get to meet you know, Marty's great, great, great grandparents or something. Great, great. I think they're great, great grandparents. I think so. Which has always been funny to me, this part, because then you have, you know, Leah Thompson, who, who both of them do a really good accent, I think. I, I, I like their accent, uh, like an Irish accent. And uh, they, uh, I know Irish people listening and they're just like, it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, what it probably done. is horrible. It probably is. <laughs> But, um, but you know, you get that whole scene. I always thought it was funny that, of course, his great, great grandmother would look the same as his mom, you know, though it's separate yeah. bloodlines, you know. <laughs> they were probably, but she, were, you got to get Leah Thompson incest. in there somehow. A lot so. of incest to the McFly family, you know, they were known for that. <laughs> I mean, his mom was into him, so it's a little disturbing. <laughs> yes that's true it's true maybe that was one of the hints they were dropping in you know early on um so all right so we get into three uh it is a very different feel uh than the first two this is uh, right you know as soon as we get um marty's first interaction with mad dog buford tannen um we see exactly how life and death this movie is um like their their lives are actually at stake this time around it's it's not about time travel it's not about keeping someone from altering altering history it's we're trying to save yeah. doc's life and then we're trying to save marty's life yeah that's that's what that's definitely a departure you know the going back to the future what definitely was a plot point I mean, for them to try to figure out the, the train and, and do all that, that was a big deal. But it wasn't like the main thing. It was like a, the background thing they were working on the, while the focus. Whereas in Back to Future 1, you definitely had the focus of getting him, you know, doing the lightning thing. That was like a primary plot point. And then you become to have this, this extra primary plot point that's the parents, right? Getting yeah, them to you got to get them together. And those two were back and forth like this. But in this movie, it's very different because getting back to the future is definitely important, but it's it's really in the background to the overarching themes. 
Like the, um, the whole reason to go back to the future at this point is to save Doc, to keep Doc from being yeah. murdered by Tim. Right. Right. And then you introduce Kathleen uh, to uh, Mary Steenburgen mm-hmm. and uh, Clara. She's Clara. And she did such a great job. I was watching uh, it when I was watching it today. I was it. like, how sweet is the relationship between Doc and Clara? It's like, so it's, great. You, you finally get, you know, he's, Doc Brown has been this uh just he's he's the the logical thinker the whole the whole trilogy until finally we get this point get to this point where he has been living his life and has made himself vulnerable in this time period and he hasn't even met clara yet and here she comes and it's like all right his walls are down and and suddenly here's this relationship with this woman and it's 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 really sweet. It's 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 yeah. almost like I don't know. It's like good for you, Doc. Wait to yeah. Way to get yours. It was the it was the perfect match, you know, because they're both very and very much into science, and uh, definitely for her, she was at that stage in a, in a world that didn't really maybe care about science in the Western, you know, <laughs> wild west. You know what I mean? She she was in her own right, her own doc brownness you know well, yeah and, i mean uh, they're, they're both very intellectual and yeah. and they connect on the level of both loving the science fiction works of george of jules verne and uh which they drop that hint too you know and you know in the second one right when he says jules verne you know and and all that and then you later learn the kids names was it the second one or was it at the beginning of the third one? I think one? it's the beginning of the third one because uh, when so when they go to find the the buried DeLorean, that's right. Uh, that's Doc when he mentions says it. being a kid and and reading journey yeah, at the age of eleven. Earth. He was yeah. reading. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. But that's and that's so, a little drop hint to the kids being named that. You know later. Yeah. Um. But uh, you know the letter aspect. So basically, Doc Brown dies apparently six days after he writes this letter right now help me out with the time the timeline here because so are we to assume then like it's you know not talking about when marty goes back the, the regular progression of time that like how would he have met clara because it becomes clayton ravine and i'm assuming she would have fallen off of that Live well, and died right? right so how so, would he have met her i, I always get that mixed, messed up so in the original in the original 1885 without without anybody traveling back to 1885 yes. clara clayton uh there was nobody to pick her up at the train station right. so so she rented the the wagon and the horses got spooked by the snakes and yes. ran off the cliff and so they named the ravine after her yes all right so that's the original when Doc Brown goes back, this is before Marty go- Marty arrives. All right, so so Doc's version of history, he's living there. He volunteers to meet the new school teacher at the train station and give her a ride to her oh, new home. And so and that, it changes the time. So that line. changes it, and so then it's no longer Clayton Ravine because she doesn't rent uh, a wagon. But Marty hasn't seen that since. You know, right? Because he there's there's no reason it. for him to to consider, Jokes. right? Uh, you know, well, there's there's no reason for him to even think about Clayton Ravine at this point because, you know, 
right. why he's not he's not around but he basically still six days later after he you know writes that letter he he dies because of uh right you know mad dog killing him and you know obviously in that in that first version of him and clara being together they fell in love at first sight and and yeah. there was no obstacle to them beginning their relationship and and having this whirlwind romance for a week and yeah. so you know when he is buried she is included on his headstone which is you know again kind of sweet yeah so there we go so of course you get the scene pretty hardcore scene too where marty gets uh the get gets lassoed and dragged you know uh through the dirt through the town mm-hmm. that's, that's pretty hardcore and then gets wrapped around and strung up like he's gonna get you know uh hanged and um and then you have a cool scene where doc brown then shoots and he comes down and you have that whole whole thing there but but wow that was pretty intense i mean the, the yeah. movie really you know takes it to the next level about life and death in a yeah. way that the other movies did not yeah that's uh, yeah that's what i was saying this, this is a very very different um different feel to it because you know you've got the stakes you you actually feel like the stakes have been raised yeah uh, very much one. so yeah so um but it's <laughs> and again there's there's a lot of great callbacks um you know from where they they had planted seeds uh early on in in the second movie um you know when when we get to the point where marty is ready to face buford tan in the street and um he remembers seeing that scene from the clint eastwood movie yeah, the having, clint eastwood movie. having right. the metal underneath his poncho there and and okay. you know acts as a bulletproof vest and it's like all right well what, glad you weren't hitting great the face. callback <laughs> yeah right glad yeah. you weren't in the face you know? gunslingers <laughs> aim for the head you know <laughs> i know always aim for the chest so so uh, <clears throat> I thought that the introduction about the alcohol was pretty funny. You know, that was that was just something new. You know, they throw in there about Doc Brown, and oh, uh, of course they pour the whiskey, and and it makes like a little sizzle on the bar. <laughs> you know, and oh man, and I love how they have the scene where he's just sitting there and he has the one whiskey. And he's like, how many is he had? So he's his first one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's been there all night. You know, he just likes to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man those guys in the bar were just classic like western guys oh, you had yeah the guy who's like the fog or you yellow belly you'll be the you know that guy i mean really really funny stuff the name clint eastwood to go down his history is the biggest <laughs> yellow belly in the west <laughs> that's great but that's but that's the point where we we reach that uh you know finally um marty has his character arc has come full circle. He's yeah. not, he's not letting Buford Tannen taunt him, you know, by calling him a chicken or a yellow belly or anymore. Right. Here at this point, like that, right. that's, and that's what has taken him from the beginning of two now to the end of three to, to get to this point. And, and so, and, and, you know, obviously we see the payoff when he's back in 1985 with Jennifer, they're driving the truck and here comes needles. Yeah. challenging him to to the race that we we heard about in the future yeah. in in back to the future too right and uh rolls royce right in the original history uh he did it he went through with the race and he crashed right into that rolls royce and it 
derailed his entire future. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whereas now he doesn't let it bother him when somebody calls him chicken. And he's like, you think I'm I'm glad nobody was behind him. I'm glad nobody was behind him when he, when he slammed on the gas to go backwards. Yeah. Right. (laughs) You know, but uh, hopefully he looked in the mirror first. Yeah. He looked in the mirror first. Yeah. But um, no, that's right. He, he completes that and uh, you know, gets over that aspect. Um, You know, back in 1885 um, you had this conflict of priorities you know, and uh, as, as you finally get back to the time travel aspect, uh, that, you know, then, then the time travel thing becomes up in full gear, and now you have conflicting interests, uh, ultimately deciding that he's got to go back, that he can't stay with Clara, he's got to go back, you know, and he's altering the future, he's whatever, I, but he's already altered the future, because be he honest. saved your life, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I hate that about you know well i don't hate it if there's anything i don't like about marty mcfly it's that scene where they're you know they they get the delorean on the rails and and they're getting it ready for tomorrow morning when they you know are going to hijack the train but he's talking doc out of staying with clara right and he's doing it from such a selfish perspective yeah it really and he's and he's 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 using the perfect argument to use with doc you're a scientist you've got to tell me what's right up here and instead you know use your brain not your heart when you're making this decision and that's that is not right that is not his place to make that decision for doc right and you know the only thing that i would say that's different is that the movies have been a maturing aspect for marty who is reactive and, and not thoughtful about his decisions whereas Doc Brown would be the opposite and be thoughtful about what's logical and encourage Marty that way. And so it's almost like they flip a little bit. You see this because in the first one, when Lorraine comes into the garage uh, and they're talking and, and uh, you know, Doc is just kind of, you know, hanging out back there and just, you know, looking around with his eyebrows raised as she's trying to hit on him and all that. And then you have kind of a similar situation where, Clara comes in, you know, and is talking to Doc Brown, and Marty's just kind of sitting there and going. But they've and so I look roles there. They kind of switch roles, and I think that's kind of what happens here is they they've switched a little bit on the methodology, which ultimately has also led, you know, Marty to think with his brain a little bit more and get out of that whole chicken aspect, you know, and and be emotional. Ultimately, though, you think you know, as, as uh, they go on and, and Marty leaves on, you think that's the end. This is the last you're going to see of Doc Brown because, hey, there's no, com- I mean, he has no time machine. He's got nothing. There's no way we're going to see him again. That's the end. He's got a Doc hoverboard. <laughs> and, and what happens? What happens? The train, you know? Well, so, so I was, you know, I, I'm going to backpedal a little bit. Uh, because I was I was slamming Marty for for telling Doc that he should uh, think with his head, not with his heart. But then in that same scene, he also says, "Why don't we bring her with us?" Yeah, and that's not bad. That is not a bad that's decision not a bad, because that's not a bad one. because yeah. in the original timeline, she's dead at this point anyway. So what what would it hurt? You know, what does it hurt to remo- remove her from eighteen eighty five? 
and and bring her 100 years into the future sure she's got some learning to do but she loves to learn she's an intellectual she would eat all of that information yeah so she's she's from another country you know but yeah no i I think so yeah but yeah you get you get to the end the glorian's destroyed and then you know all of a sudden out of nowhere the train the train appears and so and it appears there in that moment doc knows that marty and jennifer are going to be there so my question is how much time traveling has he been doing you know in between the last time we see him at you know when marty goes back to 1985 i would like to think a lot yeah oh yeah you've got to have some you've got to have some time you know you've got to have some time that's happened because of actually having to build it right right but at the same time i'd like to think that he did a lot of traveling i mean because especially his demeanor you know what i mean it's not frantic it's 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 completely calm and and cool and he's had some so and we're talking about the same guy who had previously been like you have to destroy the time machine you know what i mean I mean, he was very serious about that. But then the impact of Clara on his life, and then in these years to have these boys that are probably, I don't know, seven, you know, nine, something like that. I would, I would that, say you Jules know? is maybe 10 years old at the most. Yeah. So if, he, if he's had at least a decade to, yeah. to play around and, and rebuild and reinvent time travel, um, you know, who knows how far into the future, into the past they've gone um and and you know into marty's life beyond you know where they're at in 85 so he can say yeah i was there at that uh train crossing at that moment because jennifer and i were sifting through the the wreckage of the delorean yeah yeah so that doc would know all right well that's where i need to go to give you this picture right 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 so I think like one of the things that got me, we talked about how last week I, I was saying how I still get anxious at that part with, uh, you know, where, where he's going down the road, going 88 miles an hour to try to hit for the lightning strike and all that timing to work out perfectly. I still am like tapping my foot and being like, come on, come on, come on. You know, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. Floor it. You know, yeah. I'm looking at Doc and the thing comes in and I'm like, no, you know, it's just the same now, even though I've watched it so many times. Same thing happens for me with the train and Clara trying to work her way over that scene. I'm just like, I'm like moving around a lot. You know what I mean? I'm just <laughs> like, I can't, I cannot sit still. As I oh, just she's going to hit her head. You know, she's going to die. <laughs> you know, Albert, you know, and then doc, you know, be, being able to get on the hoverboard and then go off. It was like, yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. I'll get to it, Marty. You know? Yeah. A train coming apart. I mean, that whole thing is just intense. You know, it ended awesome. uh, I feel like the the trilogy ended very well, um, and and left everything in a a nice tidy little bow. Um, And and I'm really glad that the Bobs have both you know put their foot down and said there will be no remakes, there will be no more sequels over our dead bodies and it's just like yeah. th- that's good because because you you told the story you you wanted to tell you told more than you wanted to tell initially and you did it well 
and so let's just leave it alone. And I think yeah. that's, I think it's been, it's been great. They've um, of course they have gone on to do other things there. You know, there was the cartoon series the cartoon. That, uh, that introduced me, at least, I don't know about the world, but Bill Nye, the science guy, that was my first uh, inter- introduction to, to Bill Nye, the science guy, uh, because, you know, they, they, you know, in the eighties, you have to make a cartoon educational in some way. And so you had the these live action moments from the uh, the cartoon where they would do these science experiments that kids could yeah. do, and yeah, and Doc so Brown's great. assistant who's performing these experiments is Bill Nye the Science Guy, and yeah. that led to him getting his own show in the '90s, and that yeah. just changed the world. <laughs> yeah, that that was so cool. I mean, I, I love that, and I love the I just love the characters uh, in that little cartoon too. That was just fun the two kids their antics and you know just a lot of fun and then of course you had the game that we talked about the telltale uh games and uh, those were fun i mean they're not epic i mean or anything but it's just it's kind of if you're nostalgic and you like that and getting into it and being part of the characters and that little you know that world that play of yeah. the world i think i think that's it's fun for that you know if you're, you're not going into it like you're going to play elden ring or something you know what i mean this and is it just that fun. one does sort of act as a sequel to the Back to the Future trilogy in a way. Um, in a way, yeah. But you don't have to play it and be like, okay, this is definitely what would happen next. And uh, and so I'm I'm really like it's it's not necessary to to have played that and you know call yourself a true fan or whatever. I mean, that's of course we yeah we frown upon that kind of gatekeeping around here, but um, absolutely. We now allow you, you mentioned the game there there was a an nes game uh back to the yes. future two and three did you ever play that one i know i i think i owned you that had one. two you had two and three and i had one. had the first one okay yeah um and, 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 and to be fair you and i different game you and i last week we uh after the podcast it wasn't after the podcast i pulled yeah. it up and we watched the whole game yeah on youtube well, and we fast forward part of it yeah yeah well yeah. we we watched the uh full nes version just be reminiscing Oh, and it was notably very hard. And and two and three was like they combined both of those movies into one game, and it's very different than the first one. Uh, it was more of a, a traditional platformer, and for yeah. some reason they had all these creatures that were around Hill Valley that um, you know were not in the movies. It was more like they were Super Mario Brothers ripoffs. <laughs> yeah than anything else but there was also a puzzle aspect to it where you had to um find objects hidden around hill valley throughout the three different time periods and put together like a riddle uh that eventually made the like a a larger image of the sports on it was just it was nuts i never once beat that game i don't think i ever got past the back to the future two part of it to play back to the future three. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was definitely very different. I mean, I'm trying to equate what type of game it was like, uh, because I remember, you know, that, that this time Castlevania and games like that were coming out and, uh, or had, had already come out, I think. And, uh, you know, it was just, it, it had that very linear way. I mean, I liked it a lot better than the first one, you know, but, and, you know, I think I think that wasn't a hard act to follow. 
You know what I mean? So maybe my expectations were so low for two and three. I remember coming to your house and playing it and it felt like such a treat. I wanted it. I wanted to play that game. Yeah, it was, um, it was something special. That's for sure. Um, uh, what else is there? Can we say about back to the future after the trilogy? Um, comic books, there have been comic books. Were you aware of that? that there have been no um, no yeah. i didn't know there were comic books really several years ago i believe published by idw uh and bob gale actually wrote a number of the stories and uh you know so it's got his fingerprints all over it um but kind of continues the story after back to the future um it tells there was a series of tales from the time train um of course, I never read really? any of those. I don't know what those stories told. I did read uh, there was a miniseries that was Back to the Future, Biff to the Future, which told the, the story of the timeline of when Biff had the sports almanac. And yeah. so leading up from, from his first win uh, at the horse, horse track all the way up to um, his eventual death. Um, at I believe his own hands. Oh, really? I think no, no, no. Buford Tannen's hands, uh, because in that timeline, Doc Brown invents time travel, and they trick Biff into going back in time. And when he arrives in 1885, Buford Tannen shoots Biff, uh, oh, for mouthing off wow. to him. And so I, th I think that's how it was. And so that's where you know, in, in back to the future Two, in that there's a deleted scene where Biff is erased from existence. Um, and, and the theory was always that eventually Lorraine got tired of him and, and shot him at some point and shot him. But, uh, but in the comic well, book that they told that story, it was, it wound up being Buford Tannen in the past. Well, I did wonder because if you recall from the second one, after Biff, old Biff goes and changes it. He comes back and returns the DeLorean to where it was. Um, which I don't know that I understood why he did that. You know, why did he just go off into the sunset with that? But anyway, so he returns it back where it was and he gets out of the car and he's, he's physically not well. You know right. what I mean? He looks like he's having a heart attack or something yeah. and he breaks his cane. Uh, that's, that's how they know that it was in the car. And, and he goes off and then, when you when you see him one more time, last time that you see this this Biff, he kind of crumples over or falls over off the screen like he's collapsing. Yeah, and he's and he's sweating. And so I wondered, you know, I don't know that if anything's explained about this, but did he have a heart attack? I mean, what what, what do you know, or what I mean, do you theorize? So so that's what I'm. That's that's where they have a deleted scene that uh, where the you know the next thing we would have seen from him is him disappearing. So and, it's, and being it's, it's from him existence. facing like Marty was with his hand. Right, basically, You know, the yeah. first one, and he's like, he's, he's crumpled over because he's fading out of existence. But without that scene, we're left to speculate that maybe he his body couldn't handle the stresses time of time travel. And so when he That's returns wrong. to the future, yeah. he has a heart attack and, and dies in the street. Uh, but but no, the there like I said, there's a deleted scene that shows um that uh, that he does disappear and and uh you know years ago there was speculation 
and Bob Gale, I think, is the one who, like, you know, it's years before the comic book ever came out, but uh, said that their assumption is that at some point in the 90s, Lorraine uh, would have gotten so fed up with his abuse that she shot him. Um, and so in, in mentioning deleted scenes as well in uh, Back to the Future 3, uh, there's a deleted scene where Buford kills Marshall Strickland. Um, oh, really? In, yeah, in connection to when he and his gang robbed the Pine City stage. And so that's why at the end of the movie, when, uh, you know, after Marty has, has um, defeated Buford and uh, knocked him into a, uh, a wagon of manure, uh, you know, the, the person who arrests him is the deputy and not the, not the actual marshal. Um, and arrests oh. him as that's why you know you know if you ever wonder why Marshall Strickland isn't the one who comes and, and arrests Buford and his gang because he he's dead he died off screen um, which is uh, interesting and it wasn't sad. a long scene right I mean what was it just the movie was too long or you know I don't know why, I'm why not sure they why they it? cut that out but I, I feel like it would have um, I don't know if they they decided that it was too maybe too dark, maybe too serious for, for what they were going for. I guess they, um, they had their, they had their fill, their quota. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, any other thoughts about uh, Back to the Future 2 and 3 before we wrap this up? You know, man, I got to say, I mean, I just really loved, loved the movies. Um, I, I thought they were great. I, I loved watching all of them. You know, I mean, when, we, when we're kids and we watch them, it's like you're sitting down, you're like intently watching it. And then as you're an adult, they're in the background and you see them. I mean, I, I haven't really like purposefully sat down to watch them and then like study them like I did this time. And uh, I really enjoyed that. It's kind of, as we've done these, you know, podcasts and, and have gone through some of these movies and have like purposefully watched for things. Uh, and I know as we do that for other things, it's just, it continues to make me, I don't know, enjoy them more. You know, it doesn't make me more cynical or it doesn't make me, it just, it kind of uh, enhances it, if you will. I love that. I love that feeling. And uh, it de definitely delivered for all three of these. I concur. I all mean, right. you've always been, you've already been kind of, uh, you know, you've always been scrutinized. I mean, looking at these movies, not scrutinizing, but, you know, very intentional in your watching. And, uh, but, you know, for, for me, who's, you know, maybe a, an enthusiast, not an expert, you know, and obviously with my Marshall problem today. Um, but, you know, I mean, just as, as a novice, I, I just, it's fun to really dive into these things. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you want to talk about I, our next, uh, our next break, I mean, our, our next podcast, what we're going to do a little differently this next time. All right. Well, next time we're going to take a break from watching a, uh, a movie or a series of movies. Um, even though we have an idea of, of where we're going next. Uh, but, uh, but we are going to take a little break next week. That doesn't mean we're not doing a podcast. Yes. We absolutely are. Yes, uh, but we're going to challenge each other with some movie trivia. Oh yeah. Uh, so, so I figured that ought to be fun. I've, I've listened to other podcasts in the past where, where folks talk about movies and they they will challenge each other to to some uh, some trivia questions and i am a a big fan of trivia i describe myself as a cesspool of useless knowledge uh so uh my cousin i 
ask you to bring it on. Um, I am going to bring it on because I, I got to say, I already know how great you are with movies. Do you want me to bring and, you the, uh, uh, the kids version of the questions? Oh, listen to that. Listen to that. No. <laughs> no, I do not. You know what? I want you to know something. I can take, I can take it. If I, if, you know, if, if I don't get them right, then I'll have learned things. Well, there you um, go. But, uh, you know, so that's the positive way. Um, I'm going to throw a hissy time, fit if I lose. Yeah, I thought so. Um, and I'll enjoy <laughs> that. I will enjoy that. Um, cause you're older, you know, and you've always, you know, you've always had that presentation of your knowledgeable self. It's time that we've, Time to bring you down a little bit. Are you are you saying you're going to try to knock me down a peg? <laughs> I'm going to knock you down. You know, I'm going to I'm going to pull out stuff like how many steps did Marty walk? You know, from the uh, <laughs> you know or something. Like, I'm going to do some random stuff. How you know what miles per hour was Biff driving the Ford? You that's know, the thing, that's the thing. I always <laughs> like. You ever play that game? Seen it. Like they'll, yeah, yeah. like they'll be like, all right, play this scene, and we'll ask you a question about it after it's over. Pay attention to everything. I'm like, okay, that's great. So you're listening <laughs> to the dialogue, you're watching the actors, and then it's like, what color was the shirt on the extra who was in the background? What? You're like, oh my gosh, what? Are you I don't know. Ha! Huh, it wasn't just one color; it was plaid. <laughs> you're like, what a jerk! You know who writes this stuff? Um, you know. All right, before we go. I did want to give a shout out to another uh, of our. Can we say fan? Are we going to call call him fan? Whoa, I'm going to own it. Let's own it. We've got a fan. Um. <laughs> so so we have mentioned before that we've had three uh three reviews and three uh um ra- ratings on um on Apple Podcasts. Um, and you know we mentioned uh gave noah a shout out last week and we've mentioned that my sister gave gave one uh as well um but we have not mentioned uh this one from uh the the name that's on here is cal jofi and i'm pretty sure i know who that is i'm pretty sure that's your nephew oh might be so uh caleb if you're listening uh this is uh, we're assuming this is you okay uh, he gave us five stars. Appreciate that. He said, could you write one about all Harry Potter movies, which that is oh, our plan. We we do yes, plan on is. getting to that. That was going to be next week, but since we're going to do this trivia thing, we're going to put that off one more week. Uh, one more and then week. we are and going we'll do right to do a five-episode series, uh, two Harry Potters a week, and then the fifth week will be the three – uh, Fantastic Beasts movies that have been released thus far, and I wanted to share his order of his favorite Star Wars movies. He after he heard ours, hey, he, all right, he Caleb, let's list. hear it. I want to hear right. the list. Starting with twelve at the very bottom, Solo. Then the Last Jedi. Solo. It was Solo. It then was the Last Jedi. Solo. Then the Clone oh. Wars. There you go. Then the Phantom Menace. Then the Force Awakens. He didn't like the pod pod races like me. I bet that's it. <laughs> At number seven, he puts Rogue One, followed by Attack of the Clones. A New Hope is at number five. Rise of Skywalker is at number four. Empire Strikes Back at number three. Revenge of the Sith at number two. And at number one, your favorite, Return of the Jedi. I love this kid. 
Hey. All right. So, Caleb, thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for commenting. Thank you for ranking. Guys, yeah, if you guys you are so out much. there listening, uh, we love getting a five-star rating. Uh, we love getting your comments. Um, and if you leave something for us to read, we will be happy oh, to we will. give you a Absolutely. shout out right here on the podcast. Um, so, so long as it's relevant. If it's your opinion about the Depp and Heard trial, we probably aren't going to say it. You know, but especially if your team heard, (laughs) come on, you'll be unheard Uh, at least by us. So yeah, we definitely appreciate that guys. Um, and, and definitely want you to be a part of this podcast. Uh, so yeah, keep on listening and keep on, keep on giving us those five-star ratings. We love hearing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. That's it for this week. Uh, we will be back next week with some trivia. So join us then for, uh, you know, you can shout out your answers. It's not like we'll be able to hear you, but uh, but we it's do. fun. You it's know. fun anyway. Whether uh, anybody hears me or not during Jeopardy or any of those, I'm still yelling right. it out. You know Every time mean? I watch Wheel of Fortune, I'm <laughs> shouting out the answer like they can hear me. No, yeah. they, they, they don't know. <laughs> I, they can't hear my letters being called out. Uh, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for enjoying the Back to the Future trilogy along with us um and uh like i said we'll be back next week so have a great whatever it is wherever you are thanks